Hey everybody, welcome to Nexus at Night. Two of our would-be co-hosts aren't here, so we're starting without them. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rootbeer. <laughs> I, I, I almost forgot my own name for a second. I don't even mind. I mean, sure. If, uh, if if I, so, if it, if it weren't for this intro, I probably wouldn't know my name, honestly. Yeah, of course. Um, this amazingly professional intro is a, a show brought to you by our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash nexus at night, uh, where you get everything from weekly uh, write-ups to the card reveals that Bouchera does to a whole other bonus show you get once a week. I uh, donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. We appreciate you either way. But, uh, guys, remember the thing last week where we were like, oh, my God, Luard. Yeah, I remember yes. that. Yeah. Well, and I, it was and it was like seventy five percent of somebody's metagame. Like it was like actually absurd. Well, they, it was like Japan, J- people were playing in Japan like crazy. Yeah, Boucher had released a uh, an emergency ban list. I hear. Mm-hmm. And what was that emergency ban list? Well, the first thing on it was uh, that Aquaforce card George mm-hmm. uh, is no longer able to infinite loop with uh, Storm Dominator Commander Thavas. Good. So good. Good. They they made it a hard it, it, once per turn. Uh, no, I think it's just a small once per turn. So if you have multiple of them, they can they all do their own thing. But uh, oh, oh, it's like the one dash turn thing. It's yeah, not like, yeah, yeah. I believe I believe it's a one dash turn. Okay, that's good. So, but you know, you can't go infinite with this guy by himself. Yeah. So. Because with that thing, a George divided against itself cannot stand. Uh, I can make actually. <laughs> I've been making <laughs> Seinfeld references all day. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm happy with myself. <laughs> but the other thing uh, uh-huh. is uh-huh. that they did a choice restriction between Dragheart Luard and Stolwich Nemen. Um, the people listening to this are like, yeah, I saw a different fight and Solemn and Wave Nation and fucking everybody. Everybody talked about right, it. I, I, I need a couple Several this vanguarders hit. who are more professional than we are. All right, uh, this, okay, I'm going to complain about this band for a little bit. Sure. I, I want to understand, like, make sure that people understand why I'm complaining about it. And I don't know, you all can agree with me or disagree with me, but this is why I think it's not great, is that I still think, I, I don't know for sure, I'm, I'm waiting, people are still like doing some testing, but uh, people that I know uh, feel that Luart is still very strong. And that what this what this ban choice encourages is that it makes sure that people play the superior ride Luard, but in a more all-in way. And since the choice is uh, Dragheart and Nemain, it means that you can't play pure Luard with Nemain anymore. So this this ban list actually hurt pure Luard more than the um, the superior ride engine Luard. It's ironic, because, isn't it? <laughs> well, because what you can do with the Superior Ride Engine Luard is you can just play four Blaster Dark, like three Bende, right? Yeah. Yeah. And or four, you know, like Ezel did this shit. As, as like after they got rid of Kirp, Ezel yeah. just played four four, and they just still got it. So it, it's right? like less consistent, but it's still. Uh, yeah, but yeah. now it's like when you get it, you're like, oh, well, here we go. So and, like at worst, it just turns it into another dot X where you ask your deck politely if you're allowed to win this game. But it's probably more consistent than even like it's. It, I don't know if it's like more consistent or better than that, but like, it's still like oh, I just you know have like it's still like just as oppressive, but now like more inconsistently. Mm-hmm. Like was that still a problem? Did we? And it was right. Like they eventually did hit Ezel again. Yeah. Um, and so like 
now we're now we're in this situation and like the other so that's one way you could play it. Another way you could play it is you could just still play in the main but just cut Dragheart. And just play Drag Driver. Because well Drag Driver needs other Luards and Soul to like do stuff, uh-huh. right? That's true. Yeah. But it can still call one thing if even if you don't have one in, uh one drag heart and soul. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna take longer for you to get the crit. Correct. Mm. But I'm just saying these are like options you have. And like, yeah, so even, like even without that, the the PVD deck is still pretty good. <laughs> like PVD PVO. I mean, I don't know about all right. that, but mm-hmm. well, what? it's like I think the first I think the restriction if they would have done like uh, and I like PVD uh, uh, Luard. Like PBD drag driver, I don't know, whatever. GPBD drag heart, doesn't matter. Um, you get in this situation where I guess, well, I guess the PBD drag heart would have the same problem, mm-hmm. but maybe PBD drag driver. And then, like, what? Do you, like, then you have wow. like, then you're either playing Luard or you're playing PBD. You get to play, you get to play Naman and both. So you have to play pure Luard or you have to play Phantom Blaster. Yeah. You can't, you can't mix in that case. Or you can uh, make another heart with no oh. abilities. Sorry. So. Uh, Another problem that I have is that this ban list also doesn't really future-proof the engine in any way. Like, the next time they give Shadow Paladin support, we now have to think about, are they accidentally going to just break the game again by allowing the superior ride engine with the main to exist with this new support? Mm-hmm. So, what I would have liked to see them do was... Basically pull a sword me with Phantom Blaster Dragon, make it so that you can only play it with Blaster Grade 3s. That way, uh, the engine would be on theme, because that's how Bushiroad likes to play this. So I imagine that the mindset that Bushiroad was in was like, oh, well, we made it so that Bende needs to have Blaster Dark and rides phantom blaster dragons so everyone's just gonna put this into a blaster deck they wouldn't play it with luard and that's obviously not what happened yeah i don't know how like if they missed this i don't know how they did like straight up honestly i mean at least they did something i guess as opposed to letting it run buck wild but it's, we're still going to have future problems because of it, right? Yeah. So it's like pushing it yeah. forward. Like what's going to happen is like this is going to keep being a problem, and then they're going to have to keep hitting Luard until the deck is essentially unplayable, and then we're going to go through the same song and dance with the next wave of support until they just nuke the entire engine in its entirety because they don't know how to make ban lists. Well, the easy no, way no, to we're like have rotation fe- before that clearly. <laughs> <laughs> the easy the easy way to deal with the Nemen problem is just to not make cards with 5k power. I mean, they could do that, but yeah. that's how you future proof it. In the future, you change the power from 5k to 6k. And then it's maybe not so easy. Like you still have lots of stuff that calls, you know, cards with uh, you know, great ones. Mm-hmm. So, if they're going to make it more grade one centric and gold palette or royals or whatever more grade two centric, and you know go back to that sort of thing, then they can just make the power not five k, and that pretty much solves your problem. But I feel like it's not Bushiroad unless they're getting in their own way all the time. So yeah, uh, as for the whole, you know. Two art like they're not gonna mix archetypes together. They wouldn't. No, 
No, that no, that'd be weird, right? Yeah, I, like especially being a former Yu-Gi-Oh player, it's just part of the game. Like, it drives me crazy that they assume people aren't going to do that. And oh, uh, but they always will and will every time. Yeah, but look, yep. like look no further than. Uh, by the way, I just want to issue an apology because this is entirely my fault. I, Atlas Hammond's Novak, made the mistake of emailing a. Uh, Boucherode, Southeast Asia, whatever. asking them if you could use the new Isabel that's been revealed to copy Leopold's skill and be able to, you know, mill twice and do the thing where either call two cards or uh, get 15k in a crit. Mm-hmm. Boucherode, Southeast Asia said yes. I freaked out, immediately went to social media and was like, guys, this is a thing you can do. I know we've been arguing about this. And uh, everybody immediately started arguing further, which was the exact opposite of what I wanted to happen. Right. And and, <laughs> and, and the reason the reason that everyone started arguing arguing the opposite is that we had already had somebody, uh, uh somebody named Knack on Twitter said that it did not work uh when the card was revealed. Mm-hmm. So everyone was kinda like, oh hey, um And Knack is like work. an official announcer for Bushi Road, so Yeah. So now, so now you have this person who's like you know very into Japanese Vanguard, saying that it doesn't work, and then you have Bushi Southeast Asia saying it does, and so this started a whole ruling debacle. Yes, uh, you you had and- people like uh, like Alex Kramer, who's been on this show before. He came to my defense because he went into the comprehensive rules again. We'll get to that in a second, um, and said that there is a chance that this could work that way, and then. From the Great Nature University Facebook group to all of the other Vanguard Facebook groups to the subreddit to Twitter, everybody was just going back and forth on whether or not this is a thing or whether or not uh, Southeast Asia Boucherode could be trusted. And then, nine hours later, Boucherode Southeast Asia emailed us back and was like, oh yeah, sorry about that, we were wrong. It doesn't work. Yeah, so it's not the first time they've been wrong, which is why everyone was very skeptical. Which, I mean, fair. Uh... And uh, again, Knack had said it did not work, so there was, now there was like these conflicting statements. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so but na- but now uh, <laughs> we have two. Now we have that source uh, retracting that and saying, "Hey, it doesn't work." Yeah. Which makes Isabel really bad. Uh, yeah. It, um, it, oh yeah. It went from like medium plus to suck. In- like I don't understand. Like okay, so here's what I don't get. I, what do they expect you to do with Isabel? Like use that da- that d- daughter card, that the bird that's like CB one mill card. Like I'll play CB one mill card. Call it if it's a normal unit, or give it pow- power if it's a you know the mini Leopold. Yeah, the mini Leopold, but that's a three CB play. Yeah, yeah. One for the original unit, one for Isabel, and one for the again with Isabel. And there's no uh, counter charge in Great Nature for the most part. Yeah, so why would. Like, maybe if that effect was counter blast one, if it's a normal unit, call it. If it's a trigger unit, counter charge, get some, like, less power. Like, then you would be like, oh, fuck, yeah. 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 That'd be insane. But, But, like, putting that aside, the fact that the activate both skills clause. Is now locked to grade three or greater, where I think it was just a thing with the original Isabel. Um, was it? Was it? Or was it also grade three or greater? I feel like I should have memorized this. I think it's just uh, yeah. by itself. 
Um, I will I will get to you in a second. Totally don't stall. Holy great sage of blood. Oh no, it's old it Isabel also said grade three or greater. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So in, in the case of the first Isabel, it was almost certainly a reaction to Excel being the dominant gift at that point in time. So they tried to make the next wave of Excel decks less good. So they tried to balance them a little bit. So I'm guessing there was not a Soul Blast cost uh, attached to Isabel, and I'm guessing that there wasn't the grade 3 or greater effect um, for the first Isabel. And then for the second Isabel, that was almost certainly the case. They're just like, oh, we did it for the first one, might as well keep it for the second one. Um, but it annoys me that the second one it looks grander. It's supposed to be like a bigger version of the original Isabel, and even then, it, it doesn't even like steal the effect without the cost. That would make sense if it was just like, all right, I order you mill and you know draw a card or retire something or something. I just I just don't understand what they expect you to do with Isabel, and I don't understand mm-hmm. what like why. I guess. Well. Like, just why, you know? It was, again, it was probably to uh, to balance. But another thing that came up, and uh, due in part, large part to my error, is that I kind of didn't really know the whole thing about Southeast Asia Bushiroad versus Japanese Bushiroad. Uh-huh. I kind of just thought it mm-hmm. was they answer in English or they answer in Japanese. And I nope. Not These are speak- like two different branches of the company. Yeah, I that that's my I learned something today moment from South Park. But uh, I don't speak Japanese, so I emailed the uh, English one, assuming that I would just get the answer in English. But it's kind of a bad idea for the player base to kind of you know be ushered towards emailing you know your company with questions and it's kind of wrong to begin with oh yes it's like there's a secret menu for card rulings yeah but this leads into just a much deeper problem and i think this is largely the source of why southeast asia is always so unreliable but the comprehensive rules of vanguard are a fucking nightmare and i hate having to read them Reasonable. There are just so many things where if you were to try to play the game just the normal way where people, you know, you go, you know how the game's played, like you turn cards sideways, you activate the skills at certain times, but then if you actually go into the rules and see all of these things broken down into all of their individual pieces, you realize there are so many of these little micro-timings and weird nuances that 90% of the time won't come up, but then every now and then we get something like Isabel or Enigmatic Assassin or, like, Negrolazy with Night Rose's GB2 skill, and it's just this complete nonsense nightmare trying to figure out why the rulings that they arrived at actually work. So, I've been, like, quiet about it until up until this point, but, you know, when, what was that guy's name, had given the explanation about, like, why the Isabel ruling maybe works, 
my first my initial reaction was oh jesus christ now we have to read the comprehensive rules to like figure out the exact <laughs> terminology that they use and what that terminology means and uh when I'm, i I'm, read it i'm just gonna read the first sentence of it and when you want to shoot yourself go ahead and tell <laughs> me uh okay so, for potential further clarification on this ruling, we can go to the comprehensive rules and see how the effect is laid out. Act slash auto slash continuous, zone, continuous, cost effect. Since van or rear is the zone, and quote, when placed, would be the condition, it would make sense that vanguard abilities would be able to activate, and just, quote, when placed abilities would activate. But other abilities like, quote, when placed from hand, like V mini belly, and when uh, placed to rear during your main phase, like Duckbill and Mike Saburo, uh, would not be able to activate, because that is, is not the current condition that's happening to the card. All right. Okay, so I literally this... forgot what I was reading as I was reading it. <laughs> right, so because I hate myself, I decided to go ahead and look at the comp rules in response to this, because the thing that everyone has been argu- that was arguing about with Isabel before Bushiro just said that it worked the way they said it worked is that is the word costs and conditions. So most people when they saw that just kind of took it to mean everything, which to be fair is a logical assumption. But then when we got this ruling and, you know, it was pointed out like the way cars were worded, like Vanguard or Rearguard Circle isn't condition considered a condition in the rule book. It is labeled as a zone. And so that got me thinking of like, okay, so but are is there any reference to like conditions in the rule book? And that led me to section eight, which describes how abilities work. And so I'm just going to read this whole thing because you will all suffer as I have suffered. So oh, so automatic- you, oh, you're you're like doing this to punish us as you punished yourself. Pretty, I mean, yes, but right. also content, sure. and you know, it's relevant for this conversation. So. Automatic abilities are written on card as auto zone when event effect or like auto zone at the beginning of phase step effect. Get in you know, the zone. If, if the automatic ability would be triggered by the movement of the card itself, then the ability is written as, you know, when event effect, the event or f- phase or step is called the trigger condition. And when the trigger condition is fulfilled the automatic ability is considered to be triggered so so like an example would be when this unit is placed on rear yes like r auto brackets are when placed comma like that yep yeah and so like the zone of the game is a different thing with its own full section and the thing is like in the zone section, they do say, like, you know, V, rear, deck, drop zone, whatever. Like, whatever skill follows that has to be, the card has to be in the relevant zone for it to work. But, you know, the first golden rule of the game is that if the comprehensive rules and the card text contradict each other, card text takes precedent. So, Isabel saying, choose an auto with when place and just activate it then theoretically it could break that rule of zone restriction unless they were to put something that specifies that she couldn't do it. However, they wrote cost and condition 
and as I just read out, condition in the rule book refers to things like when placed. So they de- they never gave any kind of actual specific restriction on zone placement, which, you know, is really annoying when you're a pedantic nerd trying to figure out the exact ruling for this crappy card that you came up with. And also, uh, they've also changed how they do uh, when place abilities uh, throughout Vanguard. So, so, uh, old Vanguard cards, and I'm going to read an old Vanguard card that I know had that, and so I'm going to read Cosmic Mothership from Blue Storm Armada. Uh, It says, auto, counterblast one, when this unit is placed on Vanguard Circle or Rearguard Circle, if you have a Dimension Police Vanguard, you may pay cost. If you do, put the top card of your deck into your damage zone. At the end of the turn, choose a card in your damage zone, return it to deck, and shuffle your deck. So note that this card has the cost first, right? Uh, which is normal. And it says when this unit is placed on Vanguard or Rearguard Circle. So the condition is when it's placed on Vanguard Circle or Rearguard Circle, right? So it's when placed, yes. specifically on any on Vanguard or Rear, and if you have a Dimension Please Vanguard. Mm-hmm. So those are the three conditions. So yep. note that so but it's clear so but note that it doesn't have any like van re- it doesn't have any van rear outside the ability. It just yeah. says auto counterblast one text. Mm-hmm. If we've got a new card, so I chose another dimension fleece card, Cosmic Hero Grand Volver from V series. It says auto rear guard circle when placed, counterblast one, soul blast one, this unit gets or cost, counterblast one, soul blast one. This unit gets power plus one thousand, and if great hero grand guard plus under vanguard circle, draw a card and choose one of your vanguards gets crit plus one. So they've kind of moved the condition of zone from the text, and this is why I was like, that doesn't look right, uh, from the text over to the side. Yeah. For To make it look cleaner, I guess? Yeah. yeah seems that was like space-saving. I believe they said that. Like, when it... All of the old Vanguard cards used to say, you may pay the cost, which they have since cut out. From mm-hmm. all of the currently printed cards, because it's and a- I remember this being a point of contention when V series first started was because they decided to skip out this May clause. It seemed like abilities in V era were mandatory, just based off of the logic we have always been following. Except they changed the comprehensive ruling so that you may now just always choose whether or not you want to resolve something without the card text specifying it. The idea is that nobody wants to force you to play costs in... Nothing should force you to pay costs that you don't want to, unless that's a downside. Yeah, yep. I mean, in, in the case like that, I believe they just make it part of the text. Because right. na- now cost, instead of you may pay the cost, it's like this black kind of sideways bracket of mm-hmm. cost thing. Which, again, yep. is cleaner to read, except now we have, you know, likely a 45-minute fucking podcast episode complaining about it so was it really all that simple you know <laughs> i mean it, it is i think it makes cards look a lot nicer yeah like yeah I, like now when i look at a card i can immediately see like what circles its abilities work on without like i don't know it, like because sometimes with old cards and not cosmic mothership but like some of the old ones the vanner rear kind of get cut off on the side because mm-hmm. of like you know just word count and you're like, oh, uh, <laughs> and so like sometimes you're like, oh, what does this fucking say? Yeah. You like read it like three times over to make sure you don't miss anything. Yeah, I well, do think it's cleaner and it's probably better. I just think um, it it it, it should be clear about uh, they they shouldn't call th- they shouldn't call this zone here. The way they should word this is zone condition. 
or like zone mm. restriction. Yeah. Like it only works in these zones. Yes. Like if you look at a card like Shiryuki, but, right? I mean, mm-hmm. mind, uh, Shiryuki V. R.A.P. <laughs> uh, yeah, rest in peace, Shiryuki. Uh, it, you know, it has auto Vanguard, Rear Guard, Guard Circle. Mm-hmm. But like, if you think about that, if that were the old text, it would be uh, auto Soul Blast 2. When this card is placed onto Vanguard Circle, Rear Guard Circle, or Guard Circle, you may pay the cost. If you do... <laughs> yeah. That would be miserable, right? Yeah. Yep. But now so, it's just VRG cost Soul Blast 2. Yeah, when Man. placed, do this. When placed, do the thing. Yep. Um, so it's super clean. I like. I, I think the text, I think the formatting is good. Yeah. I just like... The, the like nobody talks about that condition in that way, and especially not the comprehensive. Yes, it's also like as it is currently worded in the current edition of the comprehensive rule, with the way Isabelle is currently worded, her skill doesn't actually work. So it does if you want to counterblast three. <laughs> yeah, but like me being a pedantic asshole, I was trying to. I was originally going to start working through the logic of how I assume Bushiroad SEA arrived at the original conclusion they gave us that Isabel did work. But, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was like, wait, so condition in the current context of the comprehensive rules refers to, like, when placed. And then Isabel specifically says she cannot ignore the conditions of auto abilities, which means she can't ignore when placed, which means... You would counterblast one, choose an auto ability that says when placed, but since you can't can't ignore the condition of when placed, you can't actually trigger the ability, therefore you can't pay the cost to resolve it. Hmm. <laughs> but don't worry, I as I was going to sleep, because I was incredibly bored that day, I also came up with some insane Bushi Road logic to resolve my own w- random plot. Uh, rulings loophole. So, (laughs) remember uh, during G-Era, there was a card called Dragonic Vanquisher VMAX, and people had questions about how VMAX's ability to target multiple cards interacted with Resist, because Resist was a keyword introduced in G-Era, where you can't choose it for card effects so it cannot be chosen like, as a t- as the t- uh, for your opponent's card effects was that yes. the, uh, the yes. wording there? yeah so which seems simple yeah. enough seems <laughs> yeah so there were cards that targeted multiple things before but vmax i think was the first relevant one in g era which is why people suddenly had this question and so because the logic they had was like, well, you're using VMAX's skill to target multiple things, which means you wouldn't be able to target resist units because it's a card ability. But no, no, no. Bushiroad's ruling for this was that VMAX changed the rules of the game so that he is able to attack multiple units in a single battle. Therefore, you are choosing it as an attack target and not for a card ability. So, using this La La Land logic, I'm going to posit that Isabel's skill changes the trigger condition of when placed to when Isabel's skill is activated, thereby bypassing that condition, because now the condition of activating her skill has been fulfilled. 
So the way it seems like they they presented uh, Isabel is that Isabel mm-hmm. is just like pointing at the rear guard and say, "You activate your skill again." Yep, that is. And instead of maybe what they what you know we want it to be, which is she takes that skill and activates it, mm-hmm. which would be the difference. Yeah, but I just wanted to have my pedantic asshole moment because the V Max thing was weird. Yeah, another uh, another big instance of something like that happening was uh, Negrolazy, the uh, Glimmer clone for Grand Blue, interacting with Hollow and uh, Night Rose's GB two. Um, I don't want to talk about the end phase at all. <laughs> don't worry, I made an entire comprehensive blog post about this. It's three years old, but I think it still works well enough. But. Also, yeah. uh, Commander Jaime gave one to us, uh, yes. where he explained well, he, how it works. He gave the exact explanation of how Negro Lazy worked, but I also want to bring up a qu- something that was relevant to you, which was Fernagus versus Chaos Breaker. Mm. So, they ultimately ruled that Chaos Breaker would go off first, which everyone was confused by, because the rule of thumb is usually that the turn player takes priority. They can decide what order effects get resolved in. Yeah. So if two effects from both players activate at the same time, the turn player goes first. Yes. But what actually happens is the trigger condition of end of turn, or when this unit is put into the G zone for Fernagus, happens after units are are unlocked. So, what would happen is, first, you unlock all the locked units, and and then you would return strides to the G-Zone. I'm still mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, so, I remember when that first came out, I was like, the point of Fernigus was for fucking Link Joker, for the most Uh part. (laughs) And you, you just... Un, you just fucking Charlie Brown me with the football because yep. you like okay. Boucher tends to do this thing where when there's a complex ruling, there's no internal consistency. I can understand the thing where card effects supersede comprehensive rulings, but mm-hmm. even when that's the case, those aren't even consistent with each other. Boucherode is the per, is the fucking game equivalent a company of because i said so yes but well to actually... done that more than bushiroad ever will <laughs> yes but like because see that's the thing is like if you read all of their rulings and comb through the comprehensive of rules like a pedantic asshole then you mean like their we rulings do? Te- yes yeah, their rulings technically make sense but i think for the average player you don't realize just how many little nuances we actually just skip over in gameplay. Like, you have to individually decide which unit is attacking before you make an attack. If you're going to activate an ability, you have to, like, declare it officially and all of that. And you have to, like, do that for everything that would be on standby at the same time. And a lot of people, they'll just activate them as it becomes relevant to them, right? Yeah. And most people will let you. Yeah, um, but like if you were to follow the letter of the rules, you would have have to like go through all of your card activations as they're triggered and declare them on standby. 
which nobody will ever do, but then these really dumb, pedantic nerd timings come up in the dumbest ways, so, like with the Negro-lazy ruling. So what happens is, you know, you retire everything to Hollow, and then you would activate Night Rose's GB2 to bring it back. So, but the thing is, the step in the end phase where Night Rose's GB2 would happen is also the same step where, like, units go back into the G-Zone and you would lose all of your red techs. So what the ruling they gave on Negro Lazy was is you would call it back with the GB2 skill, you pay the cost, it gets its red techs, but since you're in the t- phase of the end, when you're in the step in the end phase where all of your red text goes away, it immediately loses it. Then you have to go back to the point where things get retired to hollow because that comes before red text goes away. And so now you would check for hollow again, but because you had already gone through the step of the end phase where it loses the red text, it doesn't have the red text anymore, so you can't counter charge and soul charge. That made absolutely zero sense, and yes. I'm the one that said it. Because Bushiroad said so. Yep. And then, just for the last instance of what the fuck is actually going on, Enigmatic Assassin. Oh no. Not so, again. <laughs> the, so, I think this first became relevant because the thing people did with Enigmatic Assassin first is that they would use Gilderai to have that would gain, like, 15k a crit and sent and guard restrict. So, you're like, hmm, 36k crit is not big enough now that G-Guard exists, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pull Enigmatic Assassin out of the soul and boost it with it, because that's a 20k booster, so now that'll be 56,000, but you might be thinking to yourself, hey, wait a minute, if you called something out during a battle, then you can't boost with it because the battle has already commenced, right? Which, you know, makes sense. You know, if you attack with a dude and let's say you do like counterblast one, superior calls something behind that dude, well, he's already attacking, so you miss the timing for being able to boost it. But the thing is, Enigmatic Assassin doesn't say like when your unit attacks, it says at the beginning of your attack step. So the attack step is you have said to yourself, okay, Gilderai is going to attack. You haven't actually rested your units yet. You have just decided that Gilderai will be the attacking unit. And so at that point, Enigmatic Assassin is like, hey, check timing for my skill and call me out. So you would call it out. Then you move to the point where you rest and boost, which means Enigmatic Assassin can boost Gilderai and be a 56k guard restrict. It's definitely one of those things where they, like, imagine how the card should work and don't think too much about how to write that down. Yep. There's even, Um, like, well, it it doesn't even have to be that. As long as you have a standing unit, you can have Enigmatic Assassin pop out in the front row and be like, oh, I'm here now. I'm standing. Put me in, coach. And then you can have it attack instead. Yeah, because at that, because again, like, the timing for Enigmatic Assassin's ability is, I have decided to attack. Yes. Like, and then that's when she pops attacking. out. Attacking with something. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, something. It is not actually like... Like, you haven't actually commenced the battle. You have just decided that an attack will occur at some point. 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> granted, they do say attack. I think they say attack step on enigmatic assassin, which yes. doesn't get brought up in card text very much. So I, I'm pretty sure enigmatic is the only one. So I think I'm going to give enigmatic a pass. Like on on first, like the first time it happens to you, you're like, what the fuck? Like, understandably annoying. But at least in the case of attack step, and this is yeah. the only card that really mentions it, it's at yeah, least the, internally consistent. Yeah, but of. then you just have to think about the fact that like there's an entire step of the battle phase that exists purely because this card says so. Yeah. Yeah. Or it or yeah. it did the whole time and then it this is just the first to bring it up. Yeah. First and only as far as we know. Uh. Neat. There's gonna be there's someone out there who's like actually there is this new Atama card that can, <laughs> um, yeah like on actually, the whole the like going trying to go through the comprehensive rules to figure out this game just always brings up these weird dumb little interactions or arbitrary rules that seem really redundant like they're just adding extra steps to something because they can. Actually, I wanted to uh, talk about Nubatama for a second. So Nubatama, the the fucking dudes who do dominate. Um, so you notice that most of these rulings nightmares have to come with something either taking a skill or a skill being given to something. Um, yes. And nowhere is that more uh, obvious than with Dominate. Where Dominate was a fucking rulings nightmare because it was like, all right, that card is mine now but it's on your board so I can use your effects, but I pay the cost for those, but I get the effects of the, and it's a nightmare. And yet they've kind of sort of brought back dominate in a different way in the same set, actually, that they're uh, completely, you know, giving great nature, uh, like a hot fucking fireplace poker up the ass. Um, And yet somehow they figured out a way to do it, internally consistent consistently with that but not with before yeah. oh. oh my god like i'm going back through my old article that i made about dominate at the time because that was its own fresh new hell oh, and yeah. it reminded me of the, their ruling for how retire and bind works so you know a lot of narukami cards Nowadays, they just straight up bind the unit, but before they would say retire and then bind it. So a lot of people were thinking like, well, what about cards that activate when it's put into when it's retired or put into the drop zone like Skype Tarot? Yeah. And Bushiroad's answer to that is when it enters the bind zone, it is treated as a different card, which means the... the effect being trigger vanishes into thin air, and you cannot use the ability anymore. Just makes you want to hit one of these people, doesn't it? This is kind of the whole... Uh, this is almost like the whole uh, Yu-Gi-Oh thing, where it's like... Uh, dis- uh, sent or discarded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just like... Come on, man. Okay. <laughs> so, to summarize, we have a game where... There are rulings that constantly contradict each other and the comprehensive rules, which are itself hard to read. We have a 
company that encourages you to email them in English, but the one the people that email you back aren't necessarily correct. You have to be on Twitter to know well, this are fact. Human. <laughs> they are human. What? Yeah. They are human. Yeah. No, they're human. And we expect people to be like, okay, I'm going to teach someone how to play this game. <laughs> Imagine building a career around trying to explain Vanguard to people. I think we fucked up. <laughs> Just remember, it's because Bushi said so. Yep. So, uh, I'm gonna play this like uh, like it's a set reveal. How would we fix this? I don't know. I don't know because the answer would be to re to streamline the comprehensive rules. But, but if you do that, you might have to uh, change some rulings along the way, and I don't want to figure out what those are. You're probably yeah, exactly. you would need you would need like a Procopius who uh, fucking uh, history nerds what up. Uh, Procopius was this dude in the Byzantine Empire that the Emperor Justinian hired to take a thousand years of laws and condense that shit down, and he did over a period of fourteen months. Um, what a god! Yeah, so. Yeah. You would need, like, if if they were going to do this, they would kind of have to... They should have done it when they rebooted the game in the first place. <laughs> Damn it, say. I was going to say that. So basically no. what you're saying is we should reboot the game. No. No. <laughs> we need a time machine. Go back to our first episode, like, what was that? Unwrapping the gifts or whatever it was? The, our first yep. episode about the reboot. Go to a time machine and be like, okay, email Boucher and be like, okay, we need you to find a guy named Procopius. And, <laughs> Start that shit over. Uh, they need to. They would need to streamline the rulings. And even if that wasn't the case, even if they couldn't do that, they need to uh, corroborate each other of Japan right. versus Southeast Asia. At least have yes. a guy in Southeast Asia, you know, send it down the line to Japan and be like, okay, some idiot is asking. Does Isabel work on Leopold if it's on Rearguard Circle? And the point of email is that you get back to it when you get back to it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they had a deadline. For my, we just kind of sent them the question be like, when you get around to it, go for it, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. They should at least, if they're going to be the, quote, authority on uh, card rulings, at least do your freaking research. See, that's the thing, is, like, I feel like they try to, like, I get the feeling that they try to go through the rules and give us what they think would be a ruling based on these rules. It's just that these rules are so overly complicated that you can arrive at the completely wrong conclusion. Mm -hmm. Like, like again, I was going to go through this entire logical path of how Isabel could work with Leopold, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's too much trouble, and... I my pedantic nerd thing about Isabel's entire skill just invalidating itself with the reminder text was way funnier. Yeah, that was that was definitely a thing. Um, and look, I understand that they're probably getting like thousands upon thousands of emails from people who are like, "How do I uh, restand my Vanguard or what, whatever <laughs> thing?" Like people who are brand new to the game, and that's fine. But I think for 
something that you don't have the immediate right answer to, there should at least be like a hang on one second, let me find out for you. Yeah. Something. You know, the most annoying thing with Bushiro's follow up is they actually use the correct terminology of zone restriction. <laughs> and it's just like so you can say that in an email, but you can't print that on the actual card. So or, they're or wrong the in the right way. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Matt? Or in the rulebook? Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice too. <sighs> okay. Uh, I I think we've uh, complained enough. Complained enough uh, to the listener out there. Do you think that the? Of course you do. Uh, how would you fix the the rule set? Um, do you think that Isabel should be allowed to work with Leopold? I certainly think she does, but I'm totally not biased. He said, petting his green deck box with the gray nature cards in it. Um, Ew. <laughs> and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Nexus at Night. Uh, stay tuned for a message about other stuff. But guys, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at wiggums 2 gs 2 zs Find me at Plasma Clips. And uh, fucking thank him for uh, doing most of the work on this. And also uh, on our Patreon at patreon.com slash nexus at night because uh, Rootbeer has been hard at work doing these like write-ups on every card reveal that's been coming out in the past week. Except for Vanillas because I have to save some time. Right. I mean, I've mostly just been adding a quip or something. In our little mm-hmm. Google Doc we got going on, whatever. The point is, uh, if you if you donate, you help us produce the show and like help us get new equipment and help us live, and we certainly appreciate it. But you'll get articles uh, about all the new card reveals. If you donate five dollars or more, you get a whole bonus show uh, starring the three of us and any other uh, people we happen to rope in at that particular time, uh, and a whole lot of other stuff coming down the pipeline that we've kind of just been glomming on as time goes on, but I swear the bonus show and the write-ups aren't the end. There's, like, other stuff. Yeah. But, we're we're going to start putting up area replays whenever uh, I figure out how OBS works. Yeah, and uh, that, that'll be uh, with Chris, right? That, that's the first name you got? Yep. Cool. So, uh, Chris from our Luck of the Sackish episode. And then for me, I'm at Atlas Novak, uh, Twitter, Instagram, or uh, our show at Nexus at Nights in the same places. And my other bonus sh- or bonus show, uh, my other podcast, uh, Bad Reading, is at Bad Reading Pod. And uh, this week we are doing Futurama. So, oh, I like that show. Yeah, it's a good nice. show. I'm excited for this one. Thanks everybody for listening. I was Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Root Beer. And have a good night, everybody.